This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, fighting to hold politicians accountable for better health care. Find out more at carp.ca. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Christine Ross for Libby's Nimer. A drastic change to the way medical care is delivered in the province is needed as the COVID burden falls on family doctors. That warning from Ontario's now disbanded science table. And almost a quarter of Canadians will be making some menu changes this Thanksgiving weekend due to higher food prices. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. The FDA has approved an experimental treatment for ALS, despite its own analysis that there's not yet sufficient evidence that the medication could help patients live longer or slow the rate at which they lose function. The agency cites the drug's safety and patients' desperate need for treatments. One trial found it may extend survival and slow paralysis in functions like muscle control and speaking. A larger trial will be completed in 2024. The treatment was conceived about a decade ago by two college students. A new study finds loneliness and unhappiness increase aging faster than smoking. According to researchers at Stanford University, while mental and psychosocial states are some of the most robust predictors of health outcomes, they've been largely omitted from modern health care. Accelerated aging is most detected in people with a history of stroke, liver and lung disease and smokers. Other factors linked to accelerated aging include being single and living in a rural area. A new AP poll on social mobility finds more than 50% of Americans don't think younger people will have better lives than their parents. Most respondents say raising a family and owning a home are important to them, but more than half think these goals are harder to achieve compared with their parents' generation. Compared to younger people, Americans 60 or older are more likely to believe it's easier for them to achieve a good standard of living compared with their parents. One generation later, here we are. We have one thing in common, that we both fight prejudice and hatred. Arnold Schwarzenegger, the son of a Nazi soldier, visited the site of the Auschwitz Nazi death camp, where he met a survivor of the camp and the son of someone who made it out alive. The actor and former California governor says accounts of the Holocaust must stay alive to prevent future genocides from happening. Vogue editor-in-chief Anna Wintour has announced the theme of next May's Met Gala will be the work of the late Karl Lagerfeld. He died of pancreatic cancer three years ago at the age of 85. The world's most fashionable fundraiser will celebrate the work of the German-born designer who worked at Chanel, Fendi, and others. The Met Gala theme is borrowed from the accompanying exhibit at the Met's Costume Institute, which will showcase about 150 of Lagerfeld's creations and feature his original sketches. The pediatric oncologist in Philadelphia who helped create the first Ronald McDonald House has died. Dr. Audrey Evans was 97. 
She was already a renowned pediatric oncologist when she proposed creating lodging near medical centers for families of children undergoing treatment. The concept quickly blossomed into a worldwide network. In 1971, she developed a widely used protocol for assessing patients with neuroblastoma, a childhood cancer that involves nerve cells. The system helped determine which children needed aggressive treatments or less invasive methods. I'm Christine Ross, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. The now-disbanded Ontario Science Advisory Table has released a final report that focuses on the response to the pandemic by family doctors and nurses. It's recommending a team-based approach would better serve patients and help address the alarming number of Ontarians without a family doctor. There are currently 1.8 million without a family physician and 1.7 million have a doctor who's 65 or older. We reached one of the authors of the brief, Dr. Camilla Premji from the University of Ottawa's Faculty of Medicine. The science table is now disbanded, but as a final act, it has offered some lessons on healthcare learned during the pandemic. Based on these three briefs, healthcare doesn't seem to be in a great place right now. What is the main message about COVID management going forward? The healthcare system is in crisis and the primary care sector in particular is in crisis. And this is problematic because primary care is the foundation of our healthcare system. We know from evidence around the world for that's been um, produced over decades that health systems with strong primary care have better health for their citizens, better um, health equity and lower costs. And in Ontario and Canada at large, primary care is critical for getting patients access into the healthcare system and coordinating their care across different healthcare resources and integrating all of that care across their lifespan. So when primary care is in crisis, it means the entire healthcare system is under threat. The outcomes for people with a family doctor compared to those without are vastly different. Why is that? We saw, for example, that if you had a family doctor, you were more likely to be vaccinated um, against COVID-19. And part of that is probably family doctors and other primary care clinicians knowing their patients well, establishing trusted relationships over time, and being proactive about preventive care and and these less acute um, issues that happen that are important but and need to be addressed, but are meant to be um, addressed outside of the hospital context. So you, you recommend in this report that team-based approach um, mm-hmm. will, will better serve patients. And I mean, given the numbers, 1.8 million without a family doctor, 1.7 million with a doctor 65 or older, this seems to be the way healthcare needs to go. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Um, that's that's exactly the, the reason that we are calling for teams. The way that we currently have our healthcare system, where only a small fraction of Ontarians have access to teams, about 25%, um, is not going to be sustainable with these numbers that you're describing moving forward. We're not going to be able to continue to um, have the capacity in our primary care system to serve these patients without adding team members to help um, take on that care. So we knew even before the pandemic that team-based care was associated with uh, positive health outcomes for patients, lower emergency department use in some studies, um, overall better patient experience and clinician experience. We already knew that there was a strong reason to support team-based care prior to the pandemic, especially with an aging and more complex 
patient population. And now with all of the changes that are anticipated to happen in the workforce over the next few years with more physicians retiring, uh, burnout across the profession, patients needing more care as they become older and more complex, and all of these patients who are going to be without a family doctor in the near future, we know that the only way that we can manage this capacity is to um, spread out that workload across different health professionals with different areas of skill and expertise who can all come together and collaborate to support Ontarians' primary care. These issues are long-standing, but the pandemic exposed them. Um, these are complex issues. I mean, it seems more than just hiring more doctors to replace doctors who are retiring. Um, so what are some of the other solutions you're recommending in addition to a team-based approach? Mm-hmm. So one of the um, solutions that could help us right now would be to lessen the administrative burden in primary care. Primary care clinicians spend an inordinate amount of time on administrative tasks. Um, the Canadian Medical Association survey found that uh, almost half of Canadian family doctors spend 10 to 19 hours per week on administrative tasks. And a lot of that is because of a very fragmented, inefficient information system that we are working with, where we have very archaic ways of communicating um, from one practice to another, from one area of the health system to another, and that creates extra work that could be spent seeing patients. So if we could leverage um, innovations that we know would work to help um, make our our information systems more um, efficient and allow for better data collection and sharing across the different areas of the healthcare system, that would free up capacity among primary care clinicians. What does the science table predict this fall with COVID and a possible new wave? Certainly in the primary care sector, we are very worried about this because the vast majority of COVID-19 infections um, have been diagnosed and managed in the community, not in the hospitals or emergency departments. And as we see a fall wave coming, we, we believe we're already in it, um, and future variants that are cropping up uh, around the world that we expect to have in Canada as well, um, and then the long COVID implications that are starting to emerge, we're quite worried that um, there won't be adequate capacity in primary care to manage those acute illnesses. And we're already struggling to catch up on backlogged care um, from the first two years of the pandemic where um, there was less cancer screening happening, less preventive care, less disease detection and, and probably suboptimal disease management as you know care was deferred or delayed for various different reasons, including directives when we when we were early on in the pandemic and didn't have vaccines. So we're still catching up on all of that care and having to manage increased numbers of COVID-19 cases in primary care is going to mean all of that other care continues to be deferred or delayed and we know there will be ripple effects down the road that will cost the healthcare system more um, and most importantly um, lead to poorer health for Ontarians. Dr. Premji, thank you so much for this. Thank you. That was Dr. Camilla Premji, a co-author of the three briefs from the Ontario COVID-19 Science Advisory Table. I'm Christine Ross, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. 
Coming up, higher food prices are changing Thanksgiving meal plans for many this weekend. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, fighting against ageism in the workplace and the marketplace. Find out more at carp.ca. This Thanksgiving will mark the first big fall gathering for many since the pandemic began as restrictions have lifted. But Thanksgiving dinner will come with a hefty price tag for Canadians this year, as dinner staples increase by as much as 26%. And with fewer discounts out there than previous years, how will families adjust their special meal? We reach nutritionist and author Rose Reisman. Inflation has hit food prices and Thanksgiving is going to be no different. Turkey, most of the trimmings too. In fact, almost all of the staples are up on average this year, 26%. So It's huge. And it really, you know, when I go out of the supermarket now, I I always look twice and go, how much was that? Exactly. It, It really, it does add up. So what's your best advice on how Canadians can adjust the menu this weekend? Um, you, you know what? First of all, you always want to celebrate, right? So there, there's no reason not to celebrate, and you can still have a delicious dinner. I think the first thing you want to do is plan what your meal's going to be. So, you know, I know when they rate where turkey stands, it stands at the top. So don't give that up if that's what it really means. But, you know, you might decide to try a frozen bird versus fresh. There's a huge difference. I mean, a frozen can be as little as $2 a pound. A fresh can be four fifty. Um, also, make your menu set so you know what you're going to serve. Um, have a good shopping list when you go shopping. Look for the generic brands. I also like to, you know, download the apps for certain stores to see what's on sale, what's what's good priced, what's well priced right now versus what isn't. So those are some of the tricks of the straight the trade. And saying that, you know, this year use a bit of a strategy before you shop. So yeah, you talk about price matching, which is a, which is a great way to shop. You know, even not in an inflation. Mm-hmm. Period. But we're also hearing from the experts that this time of year there are not as many deals as previous years and shoppers are going to be disappointed. Um, you know, you'll always find something, but right, you don't want to spend half your time running around the city doing nobody's got the time for that as well. I think what you could start to do is, you know, take a look at if you're if you're doing a turkey, you know, how many people are you having? How large is a turkey? So, you know, this year I'm going to keep my crowd down to a minimum as opposed to having normally like 25 or 30 people. And I might just have one main course, but then I'll have, you know, a lot of appetizers going and appetizers are something you can make yourself or you can always do the frozen in root at your uh, your grocery store, the M&Ms, and get some reasonably priced appetizers. So there are no huge bargains out there, but you'll still find some savings. I really believe that. So what I'm hearing from you is you can scale back on some side dishes, keep the turkey, because everybody likes Absolutely. turkey at Thanksgiving. Yep. Maybe, you know, downsize the crowd. But unfortunately, this year, you know, it's the first time in probably three years where people can now, without these restrictions, gather with family. So that's going to be a tough decision now. Yeah, it is. So here's what I would say. If you know you just can't keep it down to 10 people, and I mean, I know my immediate family is 25, so it's it can be tough. What you want to do is do a little bit of, hey, do you mind bringing this? People are okay with that today, Christine. So I'll always say, you know, do me a favor, bring me a great salad, just enough to serve like six people, something like that. Or um, just, you know, you can do a route of doing potluck. Somebody's going to bring, you might do the main course, somebody might bring the side, somebody will do the salad, somebody bring a couple desserts. People aren't insulted by by being asked today because everybody knows we're all in the same boat together with this. Good point. 
So more so this time of year, um, the Food Lab at Dalhousie University says that eight in 10 of us prefer eating homemade food and local products. It is the fall harvest after all. Fast food just won't cut it this time of year. Right. Right. Yeah. I agree. I agree. There's something really nice about having real mashed potatoes, not the instant. Um, you know, stuffings, I mean, up to you, you know, I mean, even bread. I mean, the cost of bread's gone up 13% since last year. But, you know, often what I do instead of a bread stuffing just for healthier reasons, I might do a brown rice or a grain and just put some chopped veggies in there and some stock and some dried fruit and make make that difference. So there are ways to cut corners and, and you know, using something like a rice is a great idea as well. You you talk about the the price of everything on our on our table. Even butter is up. I forget how much. Thirteen percent. Thirteen percent. And yep. I mean, we, yep. who doesn't so, use butter in a good thing? So here's what I say. I mean, I never have used a lot of butter in my home. I tend to always use a really good, healthy vegetable oil, mm-hmm. which is going to be cheaper than butter. So uh, you wouldn't know the difference in my cakes or my mashed potatoes. I'll use an extra virgin olive oil in there. You don't need as much. And I always believe in cutting back on, you know, the, the high fat anyway. So what you need to do is, you know, look for alternatives. And again, use a good plant-based vegetable oil, uh, uh, rice maybe instead of a, a sourdough bread. And even look at alternative main courses. If you don't want to do the turkey like bacon or ham or chicken, you know, a lot of people are substituting that today. Right. And frozen. Keep in mind that I'm not always a lover of like frozen vegetables, but if you're looking at green beans, the cost of green beans are about $3 a pound. If you buy them frozen, it's a lot less. So I guess it depends on, you know, how much do you want to give to the to the value of really fresh produce? And if it's out there now in harvest, like we still have potatoes and corn and beets, buy those fresh. But if you want to serve something that's not in season, definitely go frozen. We haven't mentioned dessert yet. What's Thanksgiving without pumpkin pie? I know, and I was shocked to see how high that ranked Mm -hmm. on there. (laughs) And so many people at times say they don't like pumpkin, but pumpkin pie, to buy a pumpkin pie out there today, you know, it's somewhere around $10, not crazy, but you can make your own for about 5 so again, up to you. You know, do you want to make the crust? I often, instead of making a, a typical pie crust, I'll use a graham crust, which tends to be really delicious as well. And use the pumpkin pie filling. Make sure you don't uh, use pure pumpkin, not the pumpkin pie filling, which is very sweet. You can, but then you won't need to add any sugar or seasonings. And if it's tradition, then you know you can get a little bit of whipped cream or even you know good thick style Balkan style yogurt to serve over top. Rose, these have been fantastic tips. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, you're welcome. Anytime. That was nutritionist and author Rose Reisman. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Christine Ross for Libby Zimer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. Zoomer Week in Review is produced by Zeev Huddy, Christine Ross, and Paul Thomas. Technical producer, Justin Eacock. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.